From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Folklorist Steve Asher is here to do uh, share some of his wonderful collection of stories. High Strangeness from Kentucky um, is where we're headed. That's not the name of the book, incidentally. That's kind of Steve Asher's beat, High Strangeness from his home state, the Bluegrass State. And Kentucky happens to be one of my favorite states. I love Tennessee. I love Virginia, West Virginia. I guess you would call that all Appalachia. I'm not sure if North Carolina is considered Appalachia. Steve will know. I'll get in here in a moment. But so many strange stories come out of this area. The Mothman from West Virginia, the movie The Mothman Prophecies, will be familiar to most of you. Bigfoot sightings, of course, UFOs, stories of little people, some great haunted locations there. In fact, Steve has written about some of these, the Kentucky State Penitentiary, the Western Lunatic Asylum, the St. Vincent Academy. That's his uh, Haunted Kentucky series of three books. So we'll find out why is it that Kentucky and Appalachia seem to be home to so much high strangeness. What is it about this part of the country? Before we get started, I also want to mention that if you happen to follow me on social media, Twitter or Gab, at Richard Serrett, or on Facebook, which is Strange Planet Media, I believe, Strange Planet Media, or Instagram, Richard underscore Serrett, Stephen E. Asher is a native of Princeton, Kentucky. He's also a published author with multiple books to his credit. He's an artist, a podcast host, a musician. He's a fan of horror and paranormal subjects. And previously, Steve worked over 10 years in law enforcement and as a correction, a correctional officer. He's a longtime researcher of the strange and the unusual He's traveled worldwide in a pursuit to learn the legends of folklore and from other cultures. He's an avid lover of the nighttime. He always says that this is the time when he feels most truly alive in the darkness and therefore most productive in his paranormal research and writing. Steve, great to have you back on the program. How are you, my friend? Richard, uh, always an honor to be here. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. What is a folklorist, actually? What is what is it that a folklorist does? Well, it touches on a whole lot of different uh, sciences, but uh, more or less, it's, you've got to have somebody that's curious about things. Uh, they love getting into those little quirky, uh, you know, like, again, legends and all that stuff that ties in with the, the old, a lot of times it's the old ways. A lot of these are really old legends, and you just... You develop a love for them. If you grew up, like you said, in Appalachian area, or you don't have to be Appalachian, but it helps. But if you love sitting at your uh, uncle's or grand- grandma's feet, listening to stories from back in the back in the day, and sometimes they would turn kind of scary, um, folklore may be for you. It's just one of those things because a lot of times there's a kernel of truth in those type of things. It's different from urban legends uh, because a lot of times it was connected to an actual event. You know, sometimes urban legends could just be, you know, kind of creepypasta stuff. But more often than not, folklore tied into history. I'm, I'm a big history buff. I love it. And it sort of gives you 
kind of a different different take on history. It's not always the history that you get in the history book. Sometimes it's from the voice of the other side or from another another take on it. So it's, an, it's sort of an interesting way to be well-rounded. If you again, if you love hearing stories, especially you're into the oral tradition or love to read. And and you and I have talked about this before, but let me just get your take on it one more time. And that is why, and I mentioned this in the introduction, Appalachia seems to be so fertile for not only this folklore, but also, um, you know, sightings of uh, Bigfoot and and UFOs and uh, dogmen and different cryptids, but also haunted locations, and you've covered those off with uh, St. Vincent Academy and the Western Lunatic Asylum and the Kentucky State Penitentiary. Why Appalachia and Kentucky specifically? Part of it is, for me, it's common knowledge. It's just like if, you know, you live, you know, in the middle of New York, you would know where the best sub place is or the best pizza place is. We know legends and hollows that are supposedly haunted and, and different weird things, and it's just what it is. People think of places like the rainforest or places like that where very few people have ever been in. Appalachia is very much like it. It's almost impossible to get to certain regions up there. And uh, that causes a whole lot of uh, problems, but it also causes a certain type of culture. And this culture comes from all the different, you know, the Welsh and the English and the Irish and all those wonderful uh, brands of storytelling that came with these guys and, and a lot of their uh, their own mythologies and, and superstitions and practices. It very much is sort of a looking through the looking glass into sort of another time in a way where people didn't communicate in tweets and, you know, my people will call your people. It was very personal. And for me, it's very, very heartfelt because, again, you know, that's where my family comes from when they settled in this region. So it's always had a very special place for me, but it is a very mysterious place. There's a lot of places, um, you know, you think of Washington State, you think of, well, Bigfoot and things like that. You think West Virginia, Mothman, stuff like that. And we have that here as well, you know, uh, not counting, like as we mentioned before on, on some other shows, giant skeletons, you know, things like that. Um, you know, all kinds of different cryptids, all kinds of different uh, ancient drawings and glyphs that were found in caves that may point to a previous civilization living here. And most people think of Kentucky for horse racing or maybe really good bourbon. And, and like I'd said in, on the back of my Curious Counties for Kentucky, dang strange and mostly true tales, if you think that Kentucky is only horse racing and good bourbon, if so, boy, were you wrong. I mean, there's so much more to it. And, and that's what I love about it. I love stories from everywhere, but I love to showcase stories from my home. Well, you mentioned the title, Curious Counties from Kentucky, Dang, Strange, and Mostly True Tales. I love that word, dang. Now, it's interesting the way you've put this book together, because you've listed, I think, every single county in Kentucky, or nearly all of them. Every one of them seems to have one of these dang, strange, and mostly true tales. You've done it alphabetically, right? That's correct. Yeah, I'm almost done and ready to publish a follow-up, because it's in two volumes. Uh, there was... There's 120 counties. I did 60 counties in each. And, yeah, that, that one's almost ready to go. But, yeah, it is all alphabetical. And it does seem, even if it's a relatively small county, maybe not a whole lot's happened in it in regards of it's fairly rural, hard to access, there's some strange story. You know, every little county, anywhere you have people, you're going to have a weird story. 
or at least a weird legend about a location, you know, Crybaby Bridge, things like that. And that's why I said, dang strange and mostly true tales, because some of these I can't verify. Some of these are, again, oral tradition. It, nothing, none of this was written down, and you take it as what it is, a good story, hopefully a great story, and have some fun with it. All right, so in no particular order, we're not going to do it alphabetically, but Knott County, Kentucky, N-O-T-T, Knott County, Kentucky. There's a highway there, Highway 55. It's just out of, uh, is it Hindman or Hindman? Hindman, uh, Highway 50. Oh, Highway 50. And there is a, yeah. um, a famous restaurant there called the Blue Moon Restaurant. Tell me about the Blue Moon Restaurant. Right. Well, again, uh, Knott County was formed around 1884, and it's a pretty small population, about 17,000. And uh, it, it's one of about 30 different unincorporated uh, towns in that area is, is just outside of uh, Hinman. Uh, so anyway, you come out this road, and the Blue Moon Restaurant, most people would know it from, it was kind of a speakeasy. They would make bathroom, you know, wash tub gin and whiskey, and it was one of those deals where, you know, illegal hooch or prostitution and kind of like a, you know, saloon. Think of like a, a, a frontier town saloon because people have to remember before we had the Old West, we had the old <laughs> partially east, partially middle middle of the country, and it just pushed out that way. So we had all that stuff right here before it moved out west. And, uh, again, it was very famous for kind of nefarious activities. Well, one of the people who lived there was a mother of a guy we've you've actually had a really interesting shows on about Charles Manson, and him and his mother lived on the second floor there. And his mother was a prostitute, and she would do what she had to do. And unfortunately, she would have the little boy sat down on the stoop. I mean, all hours of the night. And if he tried to get in because it was cold or something, apparently she would beat him, or the guys would beat him. And it kind of goes to explain a little bit about how this guy became who he became. And obviously, you know, his, his crimes and things that happened in California, you, you can't fully blame that because there's people that's come through darkness and, and went another way. But it's Correct. just interesting how the, the webs of uh, all these different events connect to make that future monster. So right. I, I thought it was a right. very interesting place. Right. Now, is that is the Blue Moon restaurant, is it still there? Do we know the, its exact location on Highway 50? Honestly, I'm not 100% sure if it's still standing. Uh, I guarantee you could probably speak to somebody at the uh, at the county courthouse or something like that, and they could let you know, A, if it's standing or where the structure was. Uh, they might even have, it might, may even be a, a historical monument with, with it being a speakeasy. Uh, I don't think they would have had anything about Manson there, I don't think. But I'm sure somebody with an interest in Manson's probably made a pilgrimage there, like a, you know, like you see people go to the Gacy house and different scenes of uh, horrendous humanity. But right. uh, the exact location, I'm not 100% sure, other than it was on Highway 55, just outside of Hinman. Right, and so he spent his his formative years, I guess you could say, in this little place in Kentucky. How do the, the people of Knott County, Kentucky, sort of view that little bit of well it's not folklore it's it, 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 it we know it happened i mean yeah, are they exactly. are they he- hesitant to talk about it they don't want to make that connection between not county and charlie manson understandably any city official is going to try to put the, the brightest and most positive face forward on any situation 
and I get that. Uh, your selling point isn't want to be, you know, hey, this is where you know a famous uh, person connected to mass murders were. Um, if you dig and, and get to know the people well enough, they'll open up and talk about it. It's sort of like, uh, like the one story we talked about, the Kentucky meat rain. Most people half the time don't know about it because they don't teach it in school there. It was a really weird thing, and they prefer not to celebrate that. You know, these are church-going folks, and they're trying to put a positive foot forward. And, and that's just, you know, like I've always heard, if I had a quarter for every time I heard this in my research, well, that's just sort of not the sort of thing that we, we like to talk about. But I've found from just readership, people love to read about it because, you know, they can kind of visit this in in an educational way, not so titillating or sensationalist, but in a way that is brought to you in a clean, family-based way. But it tells you about some really interesting stuff, and it's not all horror story stuff in these counties, but there is a certain interest in this sort of thing, especially when you see this young, fragile kid, at-risk kid, that there was really no infrastructure to care for these type of kids, especially back in the, like the 30s, 30s, 40s, right? So, because he was already, I believe in his 30s by the time he met these girls in the 60s. I mean, he'd already been in right. out, of, out of institutions his whole life. And, right, uh, right. So, so, yeah, it's kind of crazy, which, of course, then that ties all into his experimentation with supposed, supposed uh, Manchurian candidate stuff, which we could go down a whole rabbit hole with that. But you know what I mean? Sure, it's, sure. It's interesting to right. see what came before. Well, another era, and had he been in another location in Kentucky, he may have well ended up at the St. Vincent Academy, right? Honestly, he very well may. Or, you know what, if he had got the proper the proper care, uh, who knows? Uh, I mean, he may have ended up at the Western Lunatic Asylum, or he may have ended up becoming clergyman. He, he was a very good orator, and um, he could have possibly went on to become a priest or something. Who knows? Right. So uh, take us down to Kenton County, Kentucky. Um, you're right here that uh, on 22nd Wright Street, uh, there is uh, a bunch of row housing. And you can find these all across the globe, of course. We're all familiar with row housing. But only a handful have an unusual flying saucer design such as this one. What's going on in uh, Kenton County, Kentucky? Well, and it's so odd because, like you said, it, it's sort of just... Very out of place, because like you said, it, it was, most of this stuff was built in the time of the old cookie cutter right after World War II, the GI Bill. Everybody gets a house, you know, it was back in those days. But uh, Futuro homes, uh, you will see these all over the globe. And some of them are fairly simple. Some are pretty uh, futuristic, like what people in the 50s and the 40s thought today would be like. And uh, that particular one looks just like a spaceship. It looks like something you would see on a, on a set of a, of a B, a B movie, uh, a sci-fi movie. And it's very, very interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's, see, I believe it came out because the man had it shipped there, I think in 1973. And, uh, I think by the time, uh, I think it was by the time it was 1976, it was finally set up and everything and it stayed there. And it's actually funny because it actually has a, uh, on the hatchway, a sticker saying, beam me up, Scotty, on it. So they definitely <laughs> went with the sort of positive, hopeful vibe of the 60s, you know, that Star Trek very, very much captured, even if they took on darker subjects. But 
Yeah, it's, it's really very an interesting place. I think it would be neat to own that. You know, if I was ever to move up in that area, I'd definitely be looking to see if that property was available. Uh, it's just, to me, it's just a really interesting story. It's nothing nefarious or dark about it. It's just, again, who would have thought that would have been in the middle of Kentucky somewhere? So I thought it was kind of well, a neat story. Have you been inside the, uh, the row housing spaceship? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, I've seen tons of pictures and stuff. They're very, very quirky with who goes in there because they don't want it messed with or made fun of or defaced. So they, they keep it pretty, pretty tight, you know. So it's one of those deals, again, you kind of protect what you love. You don't want people to make fun of it and, or just, you know, deface it. But I would definitely would. Yeah, I'd love to tour it. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes here. We can start talking about this, and if we run if we run into the break, we'll continue after. But uh, Jessamine County, Kentucky, we often hear about ghostly lights. Um, tell me about this spot. Uh, I guess it's near Lexington, uh, Kentucky, and um, there's some uh, location there known as the North Tower. It's been the site of many suicides and accidental falls and ghostly lights. Right. Well, this location is in the Lexington metro- metropolitan area. There's about 50,000 people uh, currently that live there. It's, it's about 451 square uh, kilometers. Uh, it's, it's a good-sized area. And, again, most people think of it for its horse breeding and its connection with that type of trade. There was a lot of stuff there, like the Camp Nelson Heritage National Monument, which is a great big uh, Civil War-era site. And things like that. There's Veterans Park, uh, the uh, Jessamine Creek Gorge, and the uh, Waveland State Historic Sites. So there's a lot of different stuff going on there. But there's a place um, known as North Tower, and it has a very high bridge. It was a built in, I think, 1888, and it's about 300 foot tall. Uh, it's a train bridge, and it, and it spans across the Palisades. And it is a national landmark, but it has been the site of a lot of deaths from falls and it is unclear if these are accidents or suicides but people do report a lot of fleeting shadows along the tracks and lights that disappear off like off into the edge off the edge and like saying to the into the darkness at night it's usually nighttime when these are seen and because some people say well perhaps it's a train or something like that but it's it, it just isn't you know it's got something totally else something totally going on that is just really wonky and to me it's super super interesting all right we will uh take a quick time out come back steve asher folklorist and uh, continue to delve into curious counties in kentucky tales of high strangeness with this wonderful writer back with more in a moment stay with us mom i'm hungry popcorn Mm. We should live stream this. Already am. With this new plan from Walmart Family Mobile, I get 40 gigabytes of high-speed data for under 40 bucks a month. It's a limited-time deal. Ooh, watch out! Loose ball! Whoa! That's double the data with no contract or surprise fees. <gasps> Yay! Buzzer beater! All powered by T-Mobile's nationwide network. Makes me feel like I'm a step ahead. Double data ends July 31st, 2021. Hotspot does not double. See terms at MyFamilyMobile.com. Walmart Family Mobile. Stay a step ahead. Get in the zone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Sure thing. We can help you replace those wipers. If yours are squeaking or streaking, it's probably time. We've got a wide selection of wipers that can stand up to any weather, including the right ones for your make and model. We've even got more ways to get them fast, like our next day delivery or free same-day store pickup. Getting the job done just got easier. 
Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. Auto zone. Feeling stressed in your skin? Not with new Olay Body Wash infused with skincare ingredient retinol. Olay with retinol improves skin three times better versus the leading body wash, transforming skin from dry and stressed to bright and smooth. So I can step into stressful days feeling my best in my skin. Olay Body, fearless in my skin. Now try Olay's other skincare-inspired body washes with hyaluronic acid, vitamin C, and collagen. As a dentist, I know what my patients are saying during times when they really can't speak. Mm-hmm. She says her gums are irritated. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you can do? Absolutely. You can try New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. Mm-hmm. Yep, New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. It detoxifies below the gum line to restore your gums back to health in just seven days. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Exactly. Healthy gums, healthy mouth. New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. Healthy, beautiful smiles for life. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, we are back with folklorist and curator of high strangeness, Steve E. Asher. You know, you mentioned bourbon and and, uh, the horse trade, of course, Kentucky, certainly known for that. But you're also known as having incredible cave systems throughout Kentucky and let me ask you before we get into some of these stories revolving around caves tell me about your uh, interest in caves well it's sort of that thing where you really love the idea of it and want to see all these interesting things under there but I'm also claustrophobic so it sort of runs that for me Um, 
I went into some relatively open cave systems, into some, you know, uh, maintained uh, type of situations, you know, where, you know, for, for visit, people to visit, you know, as part of tourism. But as of just cutting out and going into a cave, no, this, no I know too many weird things that's down there. And not, not to just mentioning snakes and things like that. Well, I don't know that... Um you and I have talked about this, I think, maybe on my podcast, and I don't know that it's in the list of the stories you sent me tonight, but I think you have a, a, some cousins or something that went spelunking and they they came across, uh, um, was it a burial site or something? Do you remember the story? I do. I believe that was Nightmares from the Bone Cave. Um, right. I believe right. that was the name of that. And that actually, yes, that, that was some family, and that was... Man, that was such a messed up, uh, messed up story. This this guy would go into cave systems, you know, and sometimes you find arrowheads or bits of pottery and things like that. And it wasn't anything nefarious. It's just sometimes you find something kind of neat, and that's where it kind of went wrong. I think it was actually chapter six was the uh, was the chapter from that. And the the young guy went in there and he was messing around and finding this and that. And like you mentioned, we do have a very large karst system. And a uh, karst system more or less means we're living on Swiss cheese. That's why we have tons of sinkholes and things like that around here, a uh, fair amount of flooding. Because after a while, when it rains real hard here, like it has tonight, there's a lot of flood roads that are flooded out in this area because the caves fill up and there's nowhere to go. So, but yes, was looking around and had found some interesting things in the back of a cave. Uh, there's areas under Big Springs, Kentucky. It's not a secret, so I can tell you. In the heart of Princeton. And you can used to be able to get up under it. It's filled with silt a little bit, but before that, you could kind of dig out and get down there, and you'd find just interesting stuff. You might find old bottles from the old bottling company. You might find an old uh, service revolver, an old Civil War revolver. Just, you know, it may not be in good shape, but it's just an interesting thing to find. Bits of spar or whatnot. Anyway, but he was digging around back in this area, and found this area where the wall wasn't granite or limestone. It almost was, looked like red mud. It was really weird. Um, and he'd felt something poking out of it, and he thought, well, maybe that's a bullet or it's a, you know, something kind of interesting. Well, he got that, and he ended up crawling back out because it started raining. And he don't want to, you don't want to get caught in the caves when it rains. So he got on out. Well, he uh, took this thing home. It was kind of encrusted and had the most horrible nightmares, just horrible nightmares. And it was real disjointed, very smoky. He wasn't sure if something was on fire or what, but it was almost like you were, had a fire going in a cave, which, of course, is going to illuminate everything and have flickering shadows everywhere. It was very, very disorienting. Well, this went on for a night or two. He didn't think much about it because he had to work some doubles and whatnot. Well, he ended up coming home taking a look at this thing, and he said, I don't know what to do. So he went and spoke to a brother of mine, and he said, uh, I don't know what to do. He said, well, what's going on? Before he ever t showed him what he had, he told him the situation, told him the story. And he says, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a, what it is. It's not a bullet. I don't know if it's some sort of bone tool or something like that, or if it's a what, you know. But he looked at it, and he said, I think, it's, I think you've got a piece of human finger. It looks like a kid's finger. A finger, a, a finger bone? A finger bone? A child's mm. finger bone. 
And he, he's like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And he's like, you need to put it back. You know, if it was me, I'd put it back, say I'm sorry, and get out. Try to re reinturn it. So, because it's like, you know, do I go speak to a tribal person? And then, of course, he was scared to get in trouble. Anyway, long story short, he got back up in there. He, it was after the rains. Things were still fairly slick, but he just got back to that spot. And he's trying to kind of get it pushed back into, the, into what apparently was clay, uh, a piece of clay. But when he pushed, it went on down. He, it fell forward. He didn't expect it to do that. He rolled down into, you know, these limbs and whatnot. I guess figured it was like a, some sort of animal cave, fox cave, something. Well, his lamp had went off in, in, in the fall, so he finally had gotten it and was trying to get himself put back. He put it, he said, I'm sorry, and this and that, he's moving back forward. And for whatever reason, he turned around. He got his helmet light back on, looked back, and he said there were, just, it was a lot of dust in the air, but he could see because he'd crowed through and crushed a bunch of stuff. He said there were like hundreds of bones, like human bones. He said it appeared to be human bones. So apparently he pushed stuff back over the back as best he could, and he got out of there. Uh, I've never learned the location. I don't want to go to it, but that was right here in uh, in Princeton. That's actually from Short Stories for Darker Nights, the the other book that I had put out just recently. And right, um, right. that that was really sobering. I don't know what happened. I don't know if that was a nice burial place that was that the natives put there. I don't know if something really hard, horrible happened and they were put there to, to be hidden. I, I, I don't know. So you mentioned when he brought that artifact, which turned out to be a, a human finger bone home, he started experiencing some kind of paranormal activity. I would have to say it's it. Yeah. I mean, cause he was hearing, you know, sounds and sound like stuff beating. I'm not going to say there were drums beating. I'm, I'm, you know, but that's his interpretation. That's what he made it made of it. Um, I didn't. I didn't really laugh out laugh about it when I heard it. I didn't hear about it for a while because uh, it was told to my brother. And years later, you know, he was talking about. I was talking about the cave systems, writing about the caves. And I said, he said, did I ever tell you what? Well, I almost said his name. Let's just say uh, Gator. Hey, did I tell you what Gator said about those caves over there? I'm like, no. And he told me the story. I'm like. Jesus, I said, did he ever go back? He says, no, no, no. Actually, he quit, ga- he quit caving after that. He quit caving as a result. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was strange. Uh, but... Well, you know, I hear a right. lot of, um, of stories, paranormal stories, hauntings, uh, the, the sudden appearance of strange uh, or cryptids. And often it seems to be in connection with the disturbance of an Indian burial mound. So what's happening there, do you suppose? In, well, in that particular situation, or you mean just uh, statewide? Because we have tons and tons of mounds and a lot of different things that are found there. Uh, sometimes it, it adds up to what you would think. Um, you know, if you go further back, of course, you're going to certain bones will be like the body who broke down and the bones will be coated in red ochre and put in the ground, I guess, as sort of a ceremonial thing. But again, when you have things like that, that, that doesn't really fly because it's not in a mound. So, right, right. But just the idea, I, I mean, these, these burial mounds, uh, they're not supposed to be disturbed. Sometimes they are intentionally 
disturbed, which is not a good thing. Other times they are, let's say someone is not aware of what it is, uh, maybe their uh, their backhoe or their tractor, their farming, they disturb right. the mound. And then all of a sudden, there's I don't know if there's a connection, but there seems to be paranormal activity or or sightings of strange uh, creatures. So what what do you imagine might be at work there? Is there some sort of a a spirit that's protecting these mounds? Um, what what might be happening here? Well, I mean, if, if you're familiar with animism and, and the concept that, you know, everything, the wind, the water, everything has a spirit, as close as the natives were with uh, trying to live in harmony with, with nature, I would think that would probably build a very strong rapport and, and a very strong uh, memory with the locations. It's just like anything you put a lot of time into. Say you went to your grandparents' house, or even after they were gone, you would still feel their presence there at certain certain times, uh, or you could. But And I do think the fact that it is a thing of reverence, and it is a thing of not just, not just reverence, but preparation uh, for maybe what comes next and, or whatever. It's just a thing, like if when just when the say like the pyramids were ransacked, you know, there's there's a stories of curses and whatnot. I do think that there's definitely a presence that lingers in places people in turn they're dead, especially if they go to a, a very big ceremonial aspect of it, because I think you give, a, give off a certain part of your your heart, just like when you lose somebody. There's that element of you know I lost a bit of my heart today. I think that's real. I think that's 100 percent real. And I could see there be some sort of a, some sort of debt you had to pay for that. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. Steve stays with us. Curious counties from Kentucky, dang strange and mostly true tales. And uh, next up, we'll talk about uh, Henderson County, Kentucky, and uh, the year 1901, a place of massive death and destruction. Back with more. Stay with us. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? You're probably looking for some fuel treatment. It cleans your fuel system to help your engine run smoother, and that means better gas mileage. Right now, you can get two bottles of Lucas Complete Fuel Treatment for just $8, plus a $1 bonus reward if you're an AutoZone Rewards member. Not a member? Don't worry. We can sign you up fast right here or on AutoZone.com. Getting the job done just got easier. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Mom, I'm hungry. Popcorn? Mm. We should live stream this. Already am. With this new plan from Walmart Family Mobile, I get 40 gigabytes of high-speed data for under 40 bucks a month. It's a limited-time deal. Oh, watch out! Loose ball! Whoa! That's double the data with no contract or surprise fees. <gasps> Yay! Buzzer beater! All powered by T-Mobile's nationwide network. Makes me feel like I'm a step ahead. Double data ends July 31st, 2021. Hotspot does not double. See terms at MyFamilyMobile.com. Walmart Family Mobile. Stay a step ahead. Feeling stressed in your skin? Not with new Olay Body Wash infused with skincare ingredient Retinol. Olay with Retinol improves skin three times better versus the leading body wash, transforming skin from dry and stressed to bright and smooth. So I can step into stressful days feeling my best in my skin. Olay Body, fearless in my skin. 
Now try Olay's other skincare-inspired body washes with hyaluronic acid, vitamin C, and collagen. As a dentist, I know what my patients are saying during times when they really can't speak. Mm-hmm. She says her gums are irritated. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you can do? Absolutely. You can try New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. Mm-hmm. Yep, New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. It detoxifies below the gum line to restore your gums back to health in just seven days. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Exactly. Healthy gums, healthy mouth. New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. Healthy, beautiful smiles for life. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarin. Welcome back. Before we get back to Steve Asher, I get a lot of emails uh, these days, people asking me about my old podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, which was done in conjunction with Chris Jericho and uh, his podcast network. I guess we did about 45 episodes, and uh, people loved it. It was so much work and took so much time. I just... I had to let it go, unfortunately, but people want to hear it, and it's currently not available on any podcast platform. You can't hear it anymore. At some point, we'll figure out what we're going to do with it, but we have made it available one episode a month to some of our Patreon sponsors. So that's just one of the little uh, little tidbits, one of the little goodies you'll get as uh, our thanks to you for becoming an official supporter, a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com slash strangeplanet, patreon.com slash strangeplanet. And if you've uh, thought about uh, getting involved in uh, the program as, a, uh, as an official donor, uh, your, uh, your support in any amount 
uh, every any monthly amount given is uh, tremendously appreciated and uh, uh, really helps us out. Again, patreon.com forward slash strange planet. There are a number of donor tiers available, uh, but just whatever you want to give, really. And uh, find a tier or the level that's right for you. And for some of those levels, again, you get uh, an episode of my podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, um, delivered to your email inbox once a month. All right, Steve Asher is uh, a folklorist from the great state of Kentucky, and he's got a couple of collections uh, just recently that went to print, Curious Counties from Kentucky, Dang, Strange, and Mostly True Tales, uh, 60 counties are covered in Volume 1, and he'll uh, tackle the next 60 counties, 120 counties in Kentucky. That's coming out uh, shortly in Volume 2. And um, Short Stories for Darker Nights is another collection. And um, before we get back into some of these stories, I'm trying to imagine uh, the, the types of stories that you tell around your house, Steve. Do your children, do they want to hear these as bedtime stories, <laughs> these strange tales, or do you tell them you know the typical bedtime stories that the children listen to. Well, most of my uh, most of my little ones aren't so little anymore. My my uh, youngest boy Ivan, he's he's just turning uh, just turned fifteen, so he's they're sort of out of that. But now the grandkids, you know, that's that's another story. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of do a Disney version of some of this. I mean, uh, of course, the old stories of giants and things like that 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 lived in the area and things like that. Uh, they all know about heard stories of Bigfoot and whatnot. So we touch on that. I don't get too much into the grizzly stuff with them. You know, I don't think you're ready for that yet. But, yeah, you know, we touch on some of those for sure. All right. So I want to talk about um, uh, Henderson County because uh, this one is a little, uh, a little more on the, uh, the darker side, shall we say. Tell me about is – is the town actually called Falling? Falling? Uh, is that the name of the town? Well, there, there's Henderson County. And uh, the, I believe the name of the little town, well, there, there is Henderson, uh, and then there's also the, uh, the neighboring uh, state of Indiana, which is Evansville, Indiana. So that's very close to that. Uh, I believe that is right, because uh, if, if you'd come through that area uh, around that time, and you, like you said, it was 1901, and so this is quite a while away, we still remember... Here, anyway, um, if you talk to anybody, especially from this part of Kentucky or probably from the south, the great ice storm of 2009, everyone's still scared to death of that. And I never really understood it because I remember my grandparents and them talking about a long time ago another really, really bad storm. And they were talking about the great sleet and what had happened. Basically, it started, started sleeting. And it fell for two weeks straight. I'm talking day and night. Wow. Relentless. And that in itself is not a good thing. But imagine way back then, travel came to a standstill. Work and come to a standstill. You couldn't get out to really get food. You couldn't get out to hunt. You couldn't cut down. You couldn't cut wood to burn it. There's like, you know, two or three inches of ice on everything. Everything was frozen. And it was bad. You know what? What lines were up? Or t- you know, communications, telegraphs, or whatnot gone. Uh, it was just really bad, and it actually got to the point where, as I understand, several people will start. You know, it's and it's just it's a good reminder 
hey, we've got it pretty good. And secondly, how quickly nature can turn on you because nature isn't your friend, yet you need to respect nature and appreciate it and work with its cycles. But no, Mother Nature can go any way she wants. And um, to be prepared. It's always good to be prepared. I don't, I'm not necessarily a prepper, but... You know, I've, I've got, I can show you in my kitchen right now, I've got, you know, mason jars, I've done canning and whatnot and preserved vegetables right. and things. But uh, weather, I mean, weather can be strange, and you've talked about it, you know, uh, we've talked about weather before, but but for it to sleet day and night for two weeks straight, I mean, that sounds almost biblical. I and mean, then as you point out, these frozen trees were, were crashing down on the houses, destroying houses, people were stuck in their homes, people were starving to death. As a result of these two weeks of, of sleet in Henderson County, uh, Steve, hold on. We'll take another timeout, come back, and uh, a few more logs to throw on the proverbial fire right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, we are back with folklorist and curator of high strangeness, Steve E. Asher. Curious Counties, dang but mostly true tales from Kentucky. And um, black magic. Let's talk a little bit about black magic. And uh, this is in Harrison County, Kentucky, the small community of Leesburg. And uh, going back to 1841, and a 13-year-old girl by the name of Penelope Stout. Tell me about her and uh, what happened in Harrison County. Well, you know, like you said, you're talking about the aspect of witchcraft and the fact that for a lot of people, it's so far away 
And it's such a thing of, uh, it's almost laughable to think about witch trials and, and accusations of the occult and whatnot and, you know, dark magics and things. But are people just think, oh, well, that was back in Salem or that was, no, no, it, it happened here too. Like, like I try to, you know, as I've said in this book, a lot of stuff that has happened, good and bad, has happened here too because there's this people are fallible and people can get mob mentalities and they can react to something new out of fear or out of curiosity or out of concern. And unfortunately, uh, there's always going to be a handful of people in the peanut gallery that want to shout accusations and speak of what they do not know. And this is the unfortunate thing that happened to Miss Penelope. Uh, by the time she was 13, um, she started growing like real thick bristled hair out of her, one of her thumbs, almost like um, quills, right? And after a while, these fell out, and it grew almost like a, a pretty silky type hair. It was about, I think, about six inches long. And I, it didn't really serve a purpose or anything like that, but, you know, they would shave it, get rid of it, whatever, boom, it would come right back every so often. And this continued on for a while. Well, of course, again, the neighbors are starting to go, well, you know, we didn't really have a good crop this year. You know, some of our, some of our calves died or something like that. Well, maybe, maybe it's that Penelope girl. Maybe she's bewitched them. Maybe, they, you know, all that stuff. And before long, it starts gathering speed. And so the father, who was you know, a, a pretty well-known, respected gentleman, had to get other higher-ups in the community to go, look, they know this girl is a good girl. She has, uh, you know, very chaste and, and of, of good moral fiber to more or less keep this girl from the chance of going into a witch trial because it was going that way. And apparently this is a thing that continued on uh, throughout her life. She did get to marry. She ended up marrying a, a man, I believe his name was Amos, who said, well, you know, we all have our quirks and this happens to be yours. And, and she actually had two children. And she died on the, I believe it was before the second birthday of the second child. And so she has descendants there now. I was not able to, to find those descendants, but that I had learned about this through some locals of the story. And, um, but apparently none of the children were afflicted with this particular ailment. So whatever it was, died with her. But it shows you just how quickly in, that people can turn on each other in tense situations and why we need to really look at that and, and try to think a little bit, be a little bit more forward thinking. It, it is kind of scary to think that as late as the, the mid 19th century, uh, there were, well, it didn't go to a witch trial, but it, it could have very well have gone to a witch trial in 18, in the 1840s, just because of an errant growing hair out of her thumb, a coarse black hair growing out of her thumb. They were ready to uh, try her as a witch. Uh, I want to ask you about um, Hickman County and uh, these giant hogs uh, there. One one that that uh, earned the nickname the Widowmaker. Tell me about these hogs. Hogs from well, hell. Basically, hogs from hell. You're absolutely right. Um, this uh, this actually was like the the seventy 
first county formed in here, and it was actually in 1821. Um, the uh, it is it right next to the Mississippi River, so there was a lot of a lot of people coming up through everything, up through the Revolutionary War, Civil War battles, all this stuff. Uh, there's a lot of marshy swampland in that area, and the floods were there, very commonplace, and it was sort of like a land off to its own. Um, there's a little spot called Beulah Bottoms, and this is a very murky kind of area, a lot of snakes, biting bugs, you know, creaking toads, all that stuff, all the stuff you think kind of goes with it. Well, some of the things that happen, as you know, uh, people come to the New World, as it's called, even though it was already an old world, but okay, Eurocentric, whatever. So they would bring stuff to the New World, and maybe it's whatever, hogs or certain type of horses and peacocks, different, different things from different whatevers. Uh, a lot of these were livestock creatures. And just, uh, if, I don't know if you've ever dealt with pigs, they're actually very, very bright creatures, and they can get out, they get out of fencing like Houdini. So every so often you'll have some run, get out. Well, apparently a male and a female got out, and so nature took its course, and so these hogs are starting to be born in the wild. Uh, it's funny how quickly animals revert to their, their, their factory setting, as I call it, that basic live, you know, live, die, or escape kind of, you know, kind of mentality. And that's what happened. And as these things bred the more feral, stronger of each litter was the ones who made it. The strongest survived. And these things turned into monsters. I'm talking 700 pounds easily. It has even been reports, like you said, of, of the Widowmaker, uh, which was about 900 or so pounds. This wow, not, 900 pounds. Uh, 900 pounds. That's a, that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big pig. And large tusks, you know, they started growing their tusks again almost became like razorbacks. And these would not just go into farm areas and, and, and eat whatever domesticated animal stuff. There were reports of running into silos. I'm not talking about those little ones. I'm talking those big honking ones you see, you know, on a big farm. Knocking hose, knocking the rivets out of the, uh, out of the metal, getting in there and, getting, and eating their fill. This is it's like a rhinoceros. You know, and uh, they've been trying to hunt these things down. It's, it's really is a, it really is an epidemic. It's really gone to the point where it's so invasive that it's you know killing out a lot of the native native animals, destroying farmlands, destroying you know areas where other animals are eating, and it, it really became a blight on the on the on the area. And so they have a lot you know they have hunts to try to to uh, call them. Because otherwise, they would be everywhere. I mean, it got to the point but where this one is were, this one is called the Widowmaker. Did it kill anybody? The name implies yeah. that it did. Well, I understand it. Uh, definitely, people have received a life uh, life threatening wounds, and as I understand, a few people have died from it. It's uh, kind of like the big grandpa of it. I, don't, I have no idea how old it is. I really don't know how old hogs can live and be, you know, uh, virile and, and breed and do all that. But this this thing's a good lord. It's a monster and. Like you said, people still are aware of it. You know, even when they get this down, they know how quickly, you know, these can can rebreed in a handful of seasons, and you've got fresh fresh bucks, or, or what do you want to call them? I'm not sure. The big the big male hogs. A boar, uh, the boar, and boar. the uh, yeah. Thank you. 
Boar in the South, Boar. right. Right, right. So these monster boars, in which the, the females are wild, too. They're, they're, and gosh, forget, forbid you get near their, their piglets, you know. Well, never get between a well be forewarned. If, you if you're ever down in Hickman County, Kentucky, you, you best, um, you know, make sure you're looking over your shoulder lest you be uh, uh, attacked by one of these 900-pound hogs. Um, we're just about out of time, but just give us a taste of this, uh, this uh, lake creature down in Garrett County, Kentucky, the, the home of the, uh, the very famous novel Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah, you know, that's a really oddball story because when I had initially kind of heard about it, I'm like, is it an urban legend? Is it, you know, what? what's the story with this? But apparently it's, the creature is described, it's, it's more, I don't want to say it's a river snake, but because it has sort of a lamprey aspect to it, to, 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 to the way it's, it's built, but it moves like a snake. Apparently it's well over 20 foot long. Uh, which is terrifying enough. You know, python, anaconda, could be like that. Well, only thing is, this thing supposedly has mammalian features. It has almost like a uh, primate or, or basic, or like an early human face, almost kind of Cro-Magnon, distorted, but looks like, have you ever seen the fish? It looks like they have teeth. You know how weird that is? I don't know if oh, you've yes. seen that. Google that. That's, that's a nightmare. But this thing will is eating everything up. It's eating up all, not just fish. It will jump out of the water and grab waterfowl. Will grab ducks. Will grab whatever gets close to the water. Um, to the point where there are certain times of year. Apparently, they don't even let people go there to fish or nothing like that. Wow, uh, see, uh, I got to I got to run here. But I, I, despite all of these scary stories, I still love Kentucky. It's not going to be. It's not going to scare me away. Uh, people can get curious counties from Kentucky, dang strange and mostly true tales at Amazon. And uh, also we should point out the website, Steve E. Asher dot com. Steve, then the initial E, Asher, A-S-H-E-R dot com. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. God bless and best to your family. Thanks for having me on. All right, Steve. Back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I started the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com, where each month you can receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first month's 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $1 plus shipping and handling. Choose the digital option and receive your 10 classic radio shows via email and eliminate the shipping and handling fee. Each month, I'll select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my live Library of over 100,000 shows and send them to you. And I promise every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and receive your first month's 10 classic radio shows for only $1. And I'll also send you detailed liner notes on every show. I know you're going to love being a Classic Radio Club member, but if you decide to cancel your membership, you can do so at any time with no further obligation. Join now at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com.